Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to Calcio e Cappuccino, available wherever you get your podcasts. We are here, Christine Cupo, Dre Cordero, and extra special um, Serie A teammate, uh, Michele Grella. Um, about to pop on if, in fact, we get this together this week, you know? Um, we are going to run through a bit of match day 13, uh, assess some Champions League grades on our Italian squads, and do a bit of a preview for this week. If you've not yet subscribed to P+, it's your time to hit that UEFA 22 promo code for your free month. Um, Saturday, we'll have coverage on Paramount Plus from 1230 with Dre and Matteo doing all of the heavy lifting on the Atalanta-Napoli match, as well as Sunday in the studio from 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network and Paramount Plus until 530. Dre, are your vocal cords prepared to um, work this weekend? I mean, that's a lot, bud. Uh, to be determined. Um, coming back from a little bit of a cold, but we got through um, Tuesday's Champions League match uh, between uh, Olympique Marseille and Tottenham. So I'm confident um, that we will be ready to go for what is, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say, the biggest weekend we've had of Serie A so far this season. Three absolutely fire games. Uh, the biggest of them is on Saturday with Atalanta against Napoli and then a doubleheader on Sunday with the Derby della Capitale and the Derby d'Italia. And just everything is lined up so beautifully that these teams, all three matchups have teams that are right next to each other on the table, starting with Atalanta and Napoli, uh, second against first in Bergamo. It's just going to be absolutely massive. So whether my voice is ready or not, it, I mean, we've got we've to go after it. Ready and if I am... <laughs> yeah, if I'm hoarse on, on Sunday morning, we'll still power through and give it that nice raspy uh, dulcet tone. <laughs> I know you'll give it your best. I will be listening in very, very closely. I will prepare notes for you. Uh, Gorilla, how are you feeling today, bud? I feel amazing. How's everyone else doing? Right now that you're here. I mean, you got on seamlessly. Well, did, no technology. No technolo- I can't talk today. No tech glitches. Um, that was the least believable thing I've ever heard Mike Brellis. I've heard him say some ridiculous. I've heard him say that like Inter were going to win by 20 points. I've heard him say a lot of weird things. And I, I believe that before I believe what he just told us about. I feel wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm happy you're here, Grella, because I'm going to lean on you heavily for, for these three games that we have coming up uh, on the weekend in Serie A. But I think we, we should start with uh, the Champions League group stage, which just wrapped up. Um, before we give some grades to the four Italian Champions League teams, just big picture overall, did Serie A perform better, worse, or as expected um, for you, Grilla, in the group stage this time out? I have high expectations for uh, for the Serie A teams, and, and I think they they have very talented 
uh, group of players. And I, I obviously love the league. I've followed the league my entire life. So I have high expectations for them. So I think they performed as I expected. I, I, fe- I felt like three teams would go through. I didn't think Juventus would uh, be the one that, that fell through, crashed through and uh, in, in rec- poor record form. I mean, they broke records for all the wrong reasons in the Champions League group. And almost, uh, I don't even know if going to Europa League now is, is the best thing for them, considering at the state that they're in. Uh, and and they, they got through the Europa League with three points, which was, it's, it was sad, actually, and the performances were poor. So I didn't expect Juventus to perform the way they did, but I I was happy with the, the other the other three Italian teams. I thought they represented Italy and Italian football really well. So full disclosure, I was the only one that I, I think said that they didn't anticipate Juve making it through the group stage. Uh, who were your unlikely of the four, Mike? I mean, listen. What we've all we all have very short memories. We were we just not long ago. Everyone on the panel and everyone on the show. Uh, I think most people in here as well didn't have Napoli in the top four in the Serie A. So I had questions about uh, I had questions about Napoli to be honest, and um, and and that was that was the biggest that was the biggest question mark. And, and instead, they were the big they were the the best team in Europe, not just in Italy. Yeah, I mean, they had almost an entirely perfect group stage run, which the last time that that actually happened was in 1992. And that was Milan that managed to pull that off. So um, I think all in the Italian teams fared well. Um, I am especially proud. But um, I was a little bit disappointed that um, Liverpool robbed Napoli of that distinct honor in this our year of 2022. So let's uh, let's do the easy one first. Then, uh, what, what what grade would you give Napoli for their championship group stage, Kubo? Oh, a a plus 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 plus. They they were absolute warriors. I'm I am never not impressed by them at this point. Uh, they are just such a fluid squad. Um, they genuinely like each other, which is not something that you can manufacture. Uh, I think that they really. Uh, even across Serie A, um, to sort of double task that and be as dominant as they've been, chef's kiss. Mike? Yeah, I got them at an A+, plus, uh, or the highest grade possible. 20 goals for the brand of football, the results, the 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 style, passion when they played, the energy. I mean, A+, plus, it, it couldn't be any better in, in reality. I'll give them... I'll give them the A. I want I want to give them an A plus, and I think it's it's a ridiculous standard not to give it to them. But just the fact that that they set the bar so high with the way that they played in those first five games, and then lose at Anfield. Yeah, for me, oh. I think Milan was a, a B plus, no question about it. They there was a the the result the the games against Chelsea, you know, leave you wanting more because of the way they play football. They played, uh, you know. Uh, very athletic, very modernized football, a young team, covers a lot of ground, and it's exciting. Um, and to see them go up against Chelsea twice and, and, and have very two very poor performances, that was, that was uh, a difficult one. But, but in the end of the day, they went to Dynamo, they won. They, Dynamo hadn't been beaten in 20-something games at home. They beat them. Um, they, they took care of Salzburg at home, 4-0, made it look easy. So when they needed to really step on the gas, they showed that they had another level. Uh, and so I, I give them a, a A minus or B plus. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you in that grading. I just feel like um, maybe it's a little bit of recency bias. Just that FC Salzburg match, they they shined like you know that Milan can. Um, and also, this is Milan's first 
you know, movement onto the round of 16 in almost a decade, finishing second in their group, which um, no complaints, obviously. Um, they're playing very good football. Um, Giroud, the hero, as usual, yesterday. Um, nice to see that it, at his big age, he's still <laughs> an integral part of that squad. I think um, for me, where it starts to fall off a little bit um, is I, I think with Inter, I feel like, yes, good, but I don't think that I can rate them as highly. So I think for, for me, um, and I don't think that they, I mean, they did have the misfortune of having to play Bayern, um, Bayern consistently, Giants and Bundesliga. But uh, I think for me, they're probably a solid B. I don't know. Dre, what do you think about uh, Inter all-in for this Champions League run? Yeah, I'm, I'm going A for, for Napoli. Um, 20 goals, which is five more than, than Real Madrid scored. Um, it's basically beyond their wildest imagination that Napoli would do as well as they did against the competition that they did. And I'm going B-minus for Inter. Um, B-minus because I think they took advantage, played brilliantly defensively in both legs, especially the first uh, meeting against uh, Barcelona. I think they had an perfectly executed game plan against Barca, but it was a depleted Barca. Barca is still trying to like find their identity, missing key pieces. The reason I'm going, I'm going B minus and not a little bit lower is because without Marcelo Brozovic, we all had serious questions about how this Inter would play, whether they would function. Uh, Celanoglu slotted into that uh, role and did brilliantly. Um, the shootout essentially in the second half against Barcelona was some of the most most fun that we've seen in the entirety of the Champions League. So B minus for for Inzaghi's men who I think like revitalized their campaign as a result of those two games with Barcelona, right? Because uh, we were talking about whether Inzaghi would uh, make it to, to Christmas, whether they had made a mistake in replacing Antonio Conte with him. Um, all of the optimism and positivity that Inter went into the season with having brought back brought back Lukaku. Uh, the questions that were raised about the injuries of Brozovic, the injuries to Lukaku, I think all of that dissipated when they did as well as they did in this group stage. So I think B minus, and those are the two highest grades that I'm giving for the Italian teams in this group stage. Ooh, uh, Grella, where did you think Inter fell in this in this Champions League group stage? Yeah, if you really follow Serie A and you saw how bad Inter struggled, we all had them winning the Scudetto again. Most people did, and Vegas had them as the favorites to to win the Scudetto, and we thought they would they would probably breeze it. Um, so see how poorly they were playing. They lose Lukaku, uh, Lukaku. They 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 play him poorly in the league, dropping points to smaller teams in the league, and and uh, losing games at home. You know, to see them respond that way in a group that that is with Bayern Munich and Barcelona is uh, is incredible, and. You know, usually it's the other way around. You do well in the league, and then you use that in the Champions League. They use the Champions League against two very good sides to 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 find their form back in the city. Yeah, so that was that was impressive to me. The response was impressive to me, uh, and so I have to give them uh, maybe slightly lower than Milan because Milan made it look a little bit easier. But the bravery, you know, listen, I know Barcelona was not at its best, but to go to Camp Nou and 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 perform and play in such an exciting match, you have to show a lot of character and bravery. I think Inter. I think Inter did that uh, in the, in the group stages, and and now they become a very difficult opponent uh, in this knockout format because they just um, they they're just good all over. So uh, B minus, and and let's leave Milan at A minus. I think um, B plus. All right. I think that uh, a few episodes back, we had talked about sort of the walking wounded after the the international break, and we did an assessment of Inter, and we talked a lot about Brozovic's importance to that squad. 
Um, I think for me, the most surprising player to emerge as sort of this like metronome for them had been Chalanulu. Um, and I feel like he gets a lot of flack. Um, I don't know, Grella, what do you think about um, him sort of stepping up into that, into that role? I remember watching him when he was playing higher up in the field where he, where probably is more his natural position. And in a few games, I, I saw him like have a really amazing reaction to a lost ball and, uh, and a lot of bite in his tackle. And, you know, that's not a normal thing. I was an attacking player and it was just not my nature at all to go to ground and win a ball or uh, I was not a good tackler at all. I mean, I'm probably not a good <laughs> in general, but, but uh, to see him, have that little bit of that characteristic and that nature in him that's like very uh, uh, sharp and rough and and can be a little nasty at times uh, was surprising and to see him actually go now further back in the field where you, you you're gonna make more tackles and be deeper in the field uh, to see him play so well is is almost not so much a surprise because of you know he did show flashes of it um, in 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 the further up positions as well so. Again, just there's no one in the world that can strike a ball better than him. But now he's showing these defensive characteristics and and playing deeper that are, are really are really attractive uh, to teams and clubs all over the world. And he, he's been fantastic from start to finish. I think Bayern has probably picked up a lot of the slack too, right? Because I think Hakan can do some of the things that that Brozovic does, but Brozovic almost like fills the role of two players in that Inter midfield. I think the way that Barella stepped up his game like helped tremendously uh, for Inter. And with with Milan. I'll go see um, only because I wanted them to be more competitive against Chelsea. Like they just did not compete. And, and obviously one of the games was conditioned by the early red card, the second game conditioned by uh, Fikayo Tomori's uh, red card, what, 17 minutes in. Um, but even he has himself to blame a little bit there, not getting goal side of, of Mesa Mount, allowing him to be completely beaten by it. Um, I, they obviously qualify relatively comfortably, right? They finished four points ahead of um, Salzburg, who were in third place. But just I, I'm, I'm left with a bad taste in my mouth after the two games against Chelsea where they just seemingly uh, did not complete. So see, it's a passing grade. It's basically what I did in, in, in school, just enough to get by. Um, but the fact that they're finally back in the Champions League knockout stages, uh, Milan for the first time in nine seasons, uh, the fact that they won back-to-back Champions League games for the first time in more than a decade. And, you know, we were heaping pay, uh, praise on Chalanolu. I think we should do the same on... Olivier Giroud, who's just been sensational for Milan, a guy who was supposed to come in and be, you know, challenge Slavin Ibrahimovic for a starting spot, a, a rotational guy who can get in, you know, was he over the hill? Can he continue to produce at a high level? At 36 years old, he's been arguably the most important player in the Champions League. And he has a part to play in all four goals against Salzburg, scores two, assists two. The second, or, or the, the assist to Roddy Krunic, what, 41 seconds into the second half, is massive. It's timely. It really settles Milan down, and it just means the world to them. And so now they're talking about giving him potentially a contract extension. If there's a league where you can have a 36-year-old sign a contract extension and feel good about it. It's Serie A, where Luca Toni won a Capo Canoniti trophy after the age of 36, where Totti played until he was 40, where Toto Di Natale wasn't even that great until he was into his 30s. So I think uh, Giroud has been just more than Milan could have imagined when they signed him, um, and probably a, a big part of the reason why Milan are through. Dre, I love this song. Go ahead, Grilla. Sorry, sorry, Christine. Uh, did you give them a C? You gave Milan a C? Yeah, Milan get a C. Oh, my God. You're grumpy today, man. You're not, they didn't, you're com- not they didn't compete against Chelsea. 
<laughs> Listen, I, I would I would love to, and I'll let you guys keep. Uh, I'll, I'll go back and bet you guys finish this podcast. Um, but you're supposed to beat Dinamo Zagreb and RB Salzburg if you're Milan, and I don't. I wouldn't say you're supposed to beat Chelsea, but you're supposed to compete against Chelsea, and they did not. So yeah, they get a passing grade. A little bit robbed the one game, you know, at home. I think that's difficult. But yeah, they did. They'd have that one poor performance against Chelsea. But again, nine seasons, not not qualifying. Milan now qualifying and you know, showing some some moments of good football. And then again, Dynamo Zagreb at home was unbeaten in something like twenty something games. So I think I think they could deserve a little bit better than a C. Also, you know, I want to try to get on the good side of the Milan fans because I have a lot of uh, a lot of Milan fans that say that I'm an Interista. So, it, but and it's not true. Oh, well, speaking of, I, I give of yeah, I give them a C, and, and a wild Bonetti appears. <laughs> <laughs> Matteo, help us. Dre has. Um, assess the crime upon Milan in their Champions League performance with an actual C. Yeah, give them a grade. I'm, I'm, I'm glad the CBS Sports account finally requested me. I was there waiting for five minutes. Uh, <laughs> thanks for waking up there, Ryan. Much appreciated. Thanks for letting me in. It's an honor. He said, "Who's you? who are you? Exactly. No, I feel massively disrespected now. I'm going to pull my inner diva out. Um, uh, C, you know what? C feels like a fair grade. But I almost want to go B minus. And my only reason for that is because I look at the last 10 years. And at the end of the day, guys, you know that a team needs experience in the Champions League. They need to have it as a unit. Last year, they looked like a fish out of water in the group stage. And it's because it was their first year since 2014 that they went to the Champions League. This is only year two that Milan have finished in the top four. And they finished second. By the way, behind a team that spent half a billion this summer in the transfer market that still apparently wants to buy everybody. So I feel totally fine with Milan finishing exactly where they should have finished, in second place. There's no way they were going to finish yep. first in that group. I think that's a, that's probably a B. It's not excellent, but it's good enough. It's I also the how. A commendable effort. I, I think that it's also the how. high on Milan. But go ahead, Jay. Yeah, so listen, I, I, this is not an indictment on Milan's entire season. I'm creating what they did in the Champions League. And in the Champions League, they needed goals from players like Salamakers, like uh, Pobega, uh, to, to, to beat or to draw against teams that they should comfortably beat or at least, comp- you know, beat uh, without needing to, the recourse of Salamakers looking like a starter and for the Belgian national team at the World Cup. Why, why was Tatarushanu and Pobega and all these other guys playing? Cause that the because of injury. injury crisis that they've had in the entire right. so Stefano Pioli era. So, so my question then is, where was the reigning MVP of Serie A in those games? Why were they, why, why were they needing the Pobegas and the Stalemakers uh, or penalties from Olivier Giroud as opposed to Leao taking over matches the way that he did in Serie A last season en route to the first title in over a decade? If this was the NBA and you had LeBron James who could take over a game, but when you're playing in 10 men and the referee went completely against you with one of the worst calls in Champions League history, then the team is forced to play on the back foot. There's not, nothing Leao can do. And and look, I'm right there with you. Sure, there could have been some moments that Leao could have gone back to that world-class form that he showed last season. But, I mean, it, it is against Chelsea at the end of the day. Like, what, what are we trying to do? The team is ready without six, five or six starters, depending on how you look at it. Right, so They're down maybe, maybe we're splitting hairs. Maybe we're splitting hairs. Because, no, okay, let's let's not get carried away. I'm not blaming Leal. I'm giving them a passing grade. I'm giving them a C, and you're giving them a grade. Right, a, C I been... a, a C, no parent is happy with a C. I know you were a C student and 100%. You, wanted to be, you wanted to go back and like play revisionist history and, and pretend like a C is a passing grade. A C it sucks. Is. No one's happy with a C. A you don't repeat the grade is. though. You pass it. <laughs> no, I'm not buying it. Is Grella, speaking of uh, C students, where the hell is Grella? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Matteo, Matteo, come stai? I'm sorry, I, I didn't want to interrupt you from uh, par or golf course uh, hole number eight. I hope everything's good. Everything is fantastic. No, no, yesterday, uh, was that was yesterday. Today, uh, I am uh, fully devoted to the Twitter space. I want to make sure that, you know, Dre doesn't give too many low grades. I agree with you, man. I, I think Dre is... Uh, being a little harsh on Milan, but again, uh, do, you think- do you remember when we were uh, we weren't? You got a greeting on a curve, guys. When we weren't critical of Milan against uh, RB Salzburg in that draw away from home, and the producers came to us and said, you know, I think you guys are being way too nice here, and we actually had a big disagreement about it. I- I'm curious to know what other people feel about this. Like, no, I should- think the the producers are always right, so that's impossible. Yeah. To <laughs> is, it, is it like the customers always right? The producers always right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so if we're, if we're giving away, like, easy grades here, like, the, the, the friendliest professors ever, uh, what were you guys in my college? What are we giving you there? What are we giving you, Vey, for finishing third uh, in group? Uh, oh, what's what's uh, going on F? D. D. D? D? I'm giving him a D. Yeah. D because of the Europa League. No, that's a, that is I'm a solid a, F. I mean, it was, it was abysmal. I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't. I think that uh, I'm giving them a D uh, for the sake of Chiesa's nope. return. <clears throat> which makes a massive difference. Locatelli's performance, because God help them, if he just manages to get some teammates that actually function with him, we might actually have something there. Um, and for the youth that have, have actually shown a lot of promise. So Gatti, <clears throat> Sule needs to knuckle up a little bit. Um, I think that because of how poorly they had been performing, and the atypical nature of um, actually getting the young players on field, that's been promising. So, so the, yeah. Was, was Juventus's group stage campaign a failure, yes or no? Yes. So there, that's an F. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, what school you went to, Christine, but F, F, F failure, <laughs> not finishing top two when they should have. They were clearly the second best wait, wait, team. Wait, 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 wait. They were clearly the second best team when this season. No, 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 I mean, no. In in the group stage, there's in no world should Benfica be ahead of them in any sort of power ranking. By the way, let's well, go. You're going on reputation. We're not going back to 2010. Let's go back to August. Let's go back to August when the bookies, right? The people yep. who have all the analytics and data, and this is about making money. So you better believe that those odds are made as as uh, 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 accurate as they can be. Juventus were actually the Serie A favorites to win the Scudetto. The Scudetto. So, of course, they were the the, the second team to try to get out of that group. Matteo, you're disrespecting Benfica, I think, to, to yeah, a degree that like, like, Benfica drew both games against Paris. How did you need it? definitely talk about Maccabi Haifa in that context. Like, for sure, Juve should have very easily beat them. But Benfica, Porto, Juve do not have great records playing those kinds of squads. Right, they've underachieved the last uh-huh. four seasons, losing against teams they were favored against every single time in the round of 16 when they got out of the group stage. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. 
And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. It's still, yeah. you know what? I, I think uh, Mateo's being disrespectful to Benfica, but it is an F for, for Juventus. You don't get credit for finishing ahead of Maccabi Haifa. And you don't get credit for having played well against Paris in the final round. You can build on that and then win the Derby d'Italia. That that sort of helps you out. Um, but this was an abysmal campaign for for a club that has the, the history, the tradition, the, the shirt alone should should um, sort of lift these players to, to perform better. And I know that the injuries played a huge part, Matteo. If you're going to talk about the injuries to, to Milan, then you have to sort of factor in the injuries to Juve, which arguably are more significant because of what players they were. So Pioli, this is a funny meme, right? Is that Allegri said, let's see how Inter and Milan do with the amount of injuries we've had. Then Milan <laughs> had even more injuries than Juventus and won that game. And got out of the group stage in the Champions League. I, I I agree with you, Dre, that there has to be a point made, and I'm glad you brought it up, that yes, they have had some of their key players missing, but never is that going to be an excuse for losing against or drawing against teams that are expected to get relegated from Syria. Uh, I, no, no, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, you do, you happen to have a point in a lot of ways, but I just think that... No, don't back down to me. That, that bookies had Juve winning the Scudetto is because the squad that they had assembled going into the season was formidable. Unfortunately, when you lose people that are key to play in any way, shape or form in competing where you have a Pogba that's literally been vacationing on the bench since he's gotten there. Um, Chiesa, who, I mean, they really, really needed him season over season to be performing. Um, And then the onslaught of injuries that just continued to pile up to the extent that now we have entire graphics that look like a starting 11 that are actually the injured for Juve. There's no way to actually compete like that, irrespective of how much depth no, you go There's in. one thing competing for Scudetto, and I agree that they, they don't look anywhere close to that, but it's another thing picking up points against the Salernitana and not getting destroyed by Monza, a team that was just promoted from City B. Like, if we're going pound for pound, individual player against individual player, Juventus is in another stratosphere. Let's, let's move on because we're diagnosing we're diagnosing all of Juve's uh, season yeah. right now, which is not what we intended so, to do. So let's just get a great from Grilla and move on to the weekend. Can, wait, 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 wait. Hold up because this is a good segue. Juve making Europa League. Today we still have Europa League competitions. Roma... Um, need to win today. Uh, they're right now in third. They need to, oh, they'll finish second with a win today. Uh, Fiorentina are through, and then Lazio need to pick up at least a point today off of Feyenoord. Um, and that would round off uh, the Serie A club still competing in Europe, which is laudable, quite frankly. I know that people like to discount Europa League, but quite frankly, that's that's a lot of Serie A happening. Nobody, huh? Nope, nobody. <laughs> I want to give my grade for Juventus anyway. Yeah, please. <laughs> They're expelled. No grade. Yeah. Expelled from school. Kicked out. In- incomplete. 
Yeah, that's it. There's nothing to talk about. Everyone who knows football can see what's going on. So, and it's not pretty, but uh, hopefully they can build and start, like you say, get something in uh, in the game with Inter and um, work from there. But it's going to be, I think, a bumpy road for at least a year. Yeah, I did not see us going 25 minutes on the stupid grades for the Champions League. So let's move on to what is the biggest weekend we've had in Syria. Um, and it's taken us a while to get here. Uh, this this season, this is undoubtedly the biggest uh, round so far. You've got first against second leading the way on Saturday. Matteo, you and I will be on the call for that. Um, do you agree with me that this is the biggest game of the weekend, even though we have the Derby della Capitale uh, and the Derby d'Italia, and we'll be on all three? Matteo, leave us. No, 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 I'm right here. Sorry, can you say that again? I I got interrupted by a, a very loud scream in my house. Uh, the Atalanta-Napoli game is the game of the weekend in City, uh, and it has a stage all to itself uh, for us on Saturday. Yeah, no, it, it does, and it's one of those games that I think you look forward to more so than some of the the biggest ones, right? Maybe more so than an Inter-Juventus, just because of the quality that we know that we're going to get. Atalanta have been back to the team that we've known since 2016, and if you thought that last summer was a blip, right now it looks like you may be right, just because the way that they're playing, the, the confidence that this team has once again under Gasperini, the interchangeable parts, and hosting in a great stadium, by the way, with one of the best atmospheres in Serie A, the show of Europe, the, the, the most entertaining team, I think, right now in world football, with my favorite player to watch, Cavada Telia. This is by far the game that I'm most excited about, and most fans would say that it is just the third biggest game uh, in Serie A this weekend. Really? Sorry, Dre, what's your question? You want to know what's the biggest game? <laughs> that's, not, that's not how this works, man. I'm not, I'm not interviewing you. I'm not here to ask you questions and you respond to them. We're here to have a conversation about the weekend in Syria. Hey, we're both looking forward to Atalanta and Napoli. I just want your thoughts on this game. So I don't have a question for you. Okay, okay. Uh, and hey, you guys can see me because also, you know, we have a, you see me in video. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm actually paying attention. I think those are the concussions kicking in. Um, <laughs> So, so no, no, I think, like, listen, they're all fantastic matches. Um, the Atalanta-Napoli, they both deserve to be where they're at. Atalanta, who's not playing in Europe, has that advantage of the rest and the and the uh, time to prepare the match. And, and it does make a big difference. Um, you, you see that every year with teams that are maybe not the you see, biggest. You see, a different, you see a different Atalanta this year? Because Matteo says that they're back to being the team that they were. And I, I actually disagree with that. I don't think they're the same team that finished uh, top three, three straight years. I think last year was a period of sort of reevaluation for Gasparini. And they've had a slightly different approach this year. And one that maybe in, in a sense is a little less exciting, but also more effective given some of the players they've lost uh, along whoa, the way. Whoa, whoa, Drake Cordero, you're putting words in my mouth right now, my man. I'm I think I quoted you verbatim. That's on the field, not the style that they play. I, we've talked about this on commentary, too. They, they they can be way more vertical. They don't need as much possession. So I do agree with you there, Dre. I think last okay. year, listen, I, I think that uh, before you two fight each other, I think uh, <laughs> get the glove, get the gloves on. Um, Atalanta last year and the seasons before that was like a, like having a hole in your bucket. You know, you keep filling it with water and it keeps and it keeps going out the other end. And, and this was the problem. They had a leaky defense and well, not playing really a realistic brand of football when it turn when it comes in terms of getting results. You know, um, and it's a, it's a brand of football where you know, uh, you have to outscore your opponent all the time. And, and it's a be- fun to watch. But ultimately, and the oldest saying, and it's probably one of the oldest saying in sports, is that defense wins championships. And it's true. You have to uh, you have to protect what's yours first and, and then go out and try to and, and, and get the lead. And, and you see that now. They have one of the best defensive records in the league. They have a lot of um, grit 
and and more maturity in, in the way they set up after they're leading 1-0, 2-0. Uh, I personally, I play for Jesse Marsh, who I think is one of the best manage, American managers in the world. And it would drive me crazy because our thing, our whole thing was pressing the football uh, and we'd be up 2-0 away from home and we continue uh, to press the football. And we'd sometimes, most of the time, lose games or Can lose leads in big moments. Uh, and, you know, I think it was our Achilles heel that we stuck to what we were doing, pressing, pressing, pressing and playing with a high back line. When there's times where if you're winning, you you have to protect and you have to play with two banks of four and play defensive and leave the leave no space, you know, behind or, or between the lines. And I, and I think Atalanta has done that now. They figured out, hey, look, we could still be dangerous in the attack, but we we need to be more realistic defensively, uh, just more, have more substance, more character in the defensive phase of, of the phases of the game. I think bringing some of like the, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that's probably my weakness is I love that style so much. Like I like Gasparini. I like attacking ball. I like that verticality. Uh, probably to a fault where, yeah, I can see just like conceding like crazy, just not defensively minded. But also like for Atalanta right now, Lookman is on fire. I love him. He's so enjoyable to watch. Like that's the, the exciting part of ball for me, at least. Uh, and they have right now the second best defense in, in Serie A, right? Juve, um, against all prognosis, have the, the best um, defense in Serie A, Allegri Ball. Um, maybe that's more more expected. But Atalanta and Lazio, Sarri and Gasperini are the two other managers with the best defensive record currently in Serie A. They're going up against Napoli, which uh, scored 20 goals in the Champions League, um, have been lights out. Do you see, like, did Liverpool show any sort of... Um, weaknesses in in napoli or were they just sort of do one because they've been so perfect in the champions league how do how does napoli respond now after having a 23 game unbeaten streak snapped the first loss since april uh 13 game win streak in all competitions ended uh, at anfield now they're going again to a difficult place to play although atalanta weirdly last season and this are better away from home than they are at home um but do they just pick up where they left off here in napoli with a really big opportunity to pull away uh, at the top of city I think it will be very interesting to see uh, if if Atalanta gets the first goal and Napoli's away from home now uh, and, and starts now to string two loss potentially two losses together. I I, I really want to see. I would really enjoy seeing that. Not because I want to see Napoli lose. I, I I love Napoli. I think they're playing great football, but I think I would love to see the reaction of the players, the young players that are very talented that want to play very technical brand of football, a very attacking brand of football. I'd love to see their reaction in those moments um, that if they potentially can shrink two losses together in a difficult place to go, what uh, that looks like. Because Napoli, again, they were very good last season as well. I and mean, people forget that they started the season in a similar fashion. Yeah, uh, Obviously not in the Champions League, but similar fashion playing decent football and, and scoring a lot of goals and look dangerous and unbeaten for a very long stretch. But uh, unfortunately, once they started stringing together a couple losses in that November, December, difficult, you know, mid season, obviously we won't have that this season, but we'll still have a middle of the season for them. You know, whether it's fatigue, whether it's mental fatigue, just seeing how they respond to not being perfect all the time because they've had hot starts before, but they haven't been able to do it for the for the, the entire season. So seeing how they go now mentally after after a loss and now a difficult game is, is going to be interesting to me. It's going to tell us a lot about the team. 
they were level with Milan at the top of the table at this point last season, right? They'd gone unbeaten the first 12 rounds, and then it was right around here that things started to go sideways uh, for them. And Milan also tripped up on match day 13 uh, last year. Um, but you're right. This is the point where for all those people that have been saying it's the same, you know, we've seen Napoli get off the hot starts before and then fizzle out. Like, this is the moment where it's time to see if they could sustain this, which is seemingly unsustainable, right? Like, they've been pretty close to perfect throughout, and they don't have to be perfect for the rest of the season. Um, but this is the opportunity now because they're up against second place Atalanta and they can open that gap at the top of the team I think uh, I was very high on Napoli last season too probably more optimistic than I should have been because obviously Napoli have come out strong previously and, and not succeeded but I think that this go round they have a more complete squad and I think that this atypical pause due to the World Cup shifting may actually work in their favor. I personally don't want to have them stress tested with a loss at this point. I think they need to continue their streak um, for the next couple of weeks going into World Cup. Um, I, I just think that uh, the morale all in and <clears throat> again, just I think that if there are any weaknesses, Spalletti does not enjoy losing and he has a hard time steering out of when things get bad. So I would like to have a more complete positive Napoli. Team. Like are you, are you doubling down on, on the, the comment from last week about Spalletti being sort of a, oh a weakness God. in the team? I, because that I, I said if there were a weakness, I'm extremely high on Napoli, but I invite anybody to once again record this Twitter space and snip it out of context <laughs> because I thoroughly enjoy that as you do too. Well, I do enjoy the only reason I say this is Spalletti's a strength for this Napoli team. He really is. Yeah. Like his, his experience, his uh, track record, especially for a team that's got all the changes that they've had uh, over the course of the summer transfer window. So I'll give you a chance to either double down or clarify the comment, I guess. No, I, I think we watched it last season and I feel like when they start to not perform or lose, he has a hard time steering out of that. Right. And that does have to do with the players at his disposal. So for me, I would like to see this go in a different trajectory over past seasons. Um, I, I don't think that uh, it's impossible. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to go entirely unblemished for the remainder of the season, but also I quite frankly, they're still my Scudetto favorites for this season. Gotcha. Um, the the thing, the thing that Napoli have going for them, one of the many things they have going for them, is that they were doing brilliantly even without Victor Osimhen, and he's come back and just can't stop scoring. He finally uh, had his goal streak snapped uh, at Anfield. Um, yesterday against uh, Liverpool, um, but scored a hat-trick. The game before that, his first hat-trick in Serie A, um, had scored in back-to-back -back games on his return uh, before that. And so now they are back to being as deep as they should be in attack. Um, let, let's move on to the other two games because we're almost running out of time here. Uh, Roma, Lazio, it, the fact that Sergio Milinkovic-Savage misses this game. Um, what is Paulo Dybala's status, if anybody knows at the moment? If It feels like the game hasn't come at the best moment for Roma or Lazio, or am I wrong about that? <clears throat> I think for that's the to me that's the beauty of the scudetto. The beauty of scudetto is that the games are never going to come at the right time, ever. You know, and you have to show depth of squad, and you have to show character, and you have to. Show, everybody wins in the club. You know, um, when I was playing, I was close friends with the physios, and I was, uh, you know, speaking to the people who make the food, and people speaking to the people that that cut the grass and take care of the grounds, and. You're all a team. It's a massive. It's a massive club. It has nothing to do. It not just to do with the eleven players that are playing. You know, it's the bench, it's the roster, it's the the injured guys. It's like I said, maintenance crew. It's everyone around the club. I mean, even the families and everything else. It's the club is more than the eleven players. So, yeah, the beauty of the Scudetto is in these moments when you don't have your best. 
because you're not going to always have your best week in and week out, uh, is to show the character of the club and to show that you can get results, you know, with the, uh, a lot of guys missing. I think that's that's why that's why Roberto to me is is the most one of the most difficult things you can win, or or the league is one of the most difficult things yeah. you can win. But these things aren't in contention. Throw my lads who are not in contention for the Scudetto, are they? No, but where they finish is uh, very important. You know, like not yeah. to, to win the Scudetto, but but um, you know where they this finish, is, they're both they both you know really want to finish in the top four. Yeah, this is a top four clash with Roma currently fourth, um, Lazio fifth, trying to like leapfrog their city rivals. Um, it just, I, I, I wish that we could get this with you know Dybala and Sergio Milinkovic Savage both fit, but there's still a lot of uh, talent out there. What do you make of of Tammy Abraham's season so far? Um, he seemed to really like acclimate almost instantly to Serie A last year, and maybe not throttled in the same way this year. Yeah. Um... You know, strikers. Uh, what was the quote that you told me that Ray Hudson had said about strikers? Uh, <laughs> was it ketchup? Was it no, ketchup? it was about the pen. It was about the. It's like an old pen, and, and you, you try it. You try it to uh, see if you can make it work again. And if it doesn't, you just throw it out. Yeah. And uh, I think that was one of the funniest things I've heard, and it's very accurate as well. But with with Tammy strikers, you know, they they go in and out, and it's a strange thing, you know, a certain striker can come into a, a different league, a different country and, and be unbelievable. And then he goes somewhere else and, and he can't find goals and he can't find comfort. And he, so there's a big mental factor in, with the strikers. And I think Tammy is probably going through a little bit of that now is you know, he's going to have moments where he's hot and he's going to have moments where he just can't find the back of the net. And right now he's just missing a lot of chances. And to me, it's completely down to mental. It's not completely, it's not down to, you know, uh, application or determination or his motivation. I think it's, that's all there. I think when you play for Mourinho, that's a must, but mentally, yeah, for sure. He's going through a, a very bad moment uh, because he's missing chances and he's finding himself in the wrong places and he just can't get himself going. The, the part that had me so optimistic about him and what he would do for an encore is Roma have more playmakers now, right? The, the rival of Dybala, when you look at what their best 11 would be with everybody fit, um, Lorenzo Pellegrini is one of the best you know playmakers in Serie A. Um, Spinazzola coming back and being healthy, you know, someone who could play off the edge. It, it just seemed like everything was there for Tammy to really take advantage. And maybe he will, but he really hasn't. No, he hasn't. And there's been a lot of new pieces. And then again, like there's players like maybe I'm going to get a little heat for this one too. But, you know, Pellegrini, has he been the best playmaker in Serie A? I mean, I know Mourinho says he wish he had 11 of them. I know that he is a top quality player, national team, um, you know, uh, fantastic talent. But has he been fantastic week in and week out for Roma? I mean, I, I can't say that he has. Uh, it, that's one of them. That's, that's another guy that I think is just getting a little overrated. Uh, and, and sort of just flying under the radar a lot of the times. Let's wrap up if we can squeeze it in um, with <laughs> squeeze in the Derby d'Italia, right? The biggest game in Italy. Um, <laughs> it's not necessarily the biggest game uh, this weekend. But how much do you take? Do you read into the the way that Juventus performed? Uh, this time I will ask you a question, uh, uh, Grelos. You can treat this as an interview. But how much do you read into the way that they performed against Paris? Um, no moral victories. Obviously, they they crash out of the, the Champions League. Um, but it does seem like with Chiesa coming in and looking as sharp as he did in a few minutes, uh, he's expected to play maybe thirty-ish minutes uh, in the Derby d'Italia. They, according to Allegri, should have Bremer and Vlahovic and Di Maria back. Like we're going to, even if it's just for a few minutes in the second half, maybe get a glimpse of what Juve 
we're supposed to have and are supposed to be this season. And it comes at a moment where, you know, it's, it's their biggest match of the campaign so far, uh, taking on Inter and they're at home. Um, can that carry over from one game to the next? Or do we now see the same sort of conservative defensive approach um, as Juve, who are, by the way, within striking distance and making it to the top four, do they sort of revert to what we've come to expect under Max Allegri? I think that uh, we were there last season when there was a big moment. Juventus actually, from from nowhere, had this really crazy outside shot to win the Scudetto or to be in the conversation. Uh, and Inter played uh, in uh, Torino in a massive moment. And, I, and I'll never forget, Allegri played uh, much more attacking. You know, he put Morata uh, as like almost a left midfielder. And they attacked. Uh, I, I think whoever watched that game will remember the first 20 minutes. Everyone was like, wow, Juventus were fantastic. Uh, and they opened up and then they ended up losing that game 1-0. And so I think that Allegri has his hesitations to play in these big matches and open up again. Uh, it's not in his nature just to begin with, but I think for sure what we'll see this weekend is a very defensive Juventus side. And I think the ramifications for this match are much bigger than the three points because it's two teams that are very good, that are a little bit desperate at the moment to kick on their season, win a big game and get going. And, and uh, you know, Inter got the best of Juventus last season in, in the uh, Supercoppa Italiana and even in the, in the Serie A. But they're both in a very similar situation right now, which is not at their best. So a win here could mean a lot more than the three points in the big picture. Cool. I mean, I think this will be an interesting match because it's nice to see Kiesa back. And I forgot about this this like sort of look of determination. Like the man is on fire when he's playing. And I think I missed that. Um from the Juve side. But I think that one of the other um, brighter spots was seeing Miretti Fagioli and Locatelli working together, um, which if, if in fact, dare Allegri be that bold, um, could work out fairly well, I think, against Inter. So um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this particular derby. Um, I'm, I am not, I'm very neutral, I'll say. I, I think that it's going to be... Um, I don't think that it's going to be determinant of uh, the be-all, end-all of what the rest of the season will look like, but I think that it'll be a certain indication, um, especially with, you know, Di Maria, Vlaovic, Chiesa, um, back and, and up and running. What um, Do you want to tell the people what we had this weekend so we can get out of here? Ah, sure. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> um, Saturday, Paramount Plus from 1230. You can catch Dre Matteo on the Atalanta-Napoli match. Um, and Sunday, 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network and Paramount Plus. Running until 5.30, we have full broadcast. And then we, of course, have Dre and Mateo using their magical vocal cords, um, calling those three matches in a row. Um, if you haven't yet used your promo for your free month for P+, you're going to want to use UEFA 2-2. Um, do not miss Match Day 13 action. Thank you to everyone. Thanks, Grella, for your invaluable input and your undivided attention. <laughs> Oh no, my pleasure. I'm happy, happy to be on here, and it was—it's a lot of fun. And uh, and where's Mateo though? Is he still on or no? No, he's—he's he's been gone. Jumped. We ran out—we ran out of money to keep him on here. Huh? <laughs> he, he only does ten minutes. He's, he's too expensive for us. Grazie mille from all of us. Um, catch Dre, Frola, uh, and the rest of the team on the broadcast this weekend. We will see you next week. Ciao a tutti. Ciao.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.